0: It's so good to be with you all again uh, this morning. I'm actually—some of you know this already—but I'm actually on my way to to Connecticut, to Manchester, Connecticut tomorrow. So first thing in the morning, my uh, Hyundai Elantra will be all packed up, and I'll look like a single college kid driving out of my uh, out of my lot as I make it across the uh, country. I'll see my son, who's in. Chicago, uh, along about Thursday or Friday of next week, and then make it the rest of the way to Connecticut. Meanwhile, Jenny, my wife, who is right back there, um, will, be, will be hanging out and holding the fort down at home, so I'll get to come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas um, to make sure that our kids get a chance to come home for the, uh, you know, for the holidays one last time, so we're in this crazy time of, uh, of transition. A lot of times in life, there are these times of transition. There are these times when we learn life's lessons in ways that we maybe didn't expect to learn them. And sometimes people will follow us up with this question, you know, at the end of it, you know, well, what did you expect was going to happen? And how many of us have been asked that kind of uh, question before? My uh, little girl was just tiny, you know, she was about three years old, and uh, she was in the backyard, and, uh, and we found this little butterfly. It landed on her, It landed on her hand. And she was looking at it and playing with it and just delighted to have this butterfly in her hand. And, uh, and I turned my back for a few moments. And when I turned around, my daughter wasn't looking so delighted anymore. And uh, her, her face was downcast as she looked up at me and said, it's not a butterfly anymore. My little girl had taken the wings and pulled them right <laughs> off. Yeah, that's my kid. <laughs> And all there was was this little black thing that looked like it was trying to crawl around. And the, and the thought was, you know, hey, Dad, can you put it back together? Impossible. You know, Dad can't do everything. You know, sometimes in our lives, you know, that'll happen in our lives. There's, there's the wings of dreams, the wings of possibilities that we just pull off. And all of a sudden, we realize that all the things that we were hoping for are just dashed to the ground. Sometimes the what did you expect is that we're just not seeing the world the way we ought to see it. Um, I'll tell you a story about the time that I lit a forest on fire. We uh, were, um, (laughs) we were actually, it wasn't quite this bad, but we were backpacking with a group of students and uh, as we made our way up the, mountain uh, I had my map and it was wrong and I'd gone up the wrong trail and so it got to be very late and so we bedded down for the night and I looked at my group and said well we'll uh, go ahead and make a fire I'll make a fire for you guys and i will take care of you and, he was, and they were saying no you don't need to do that we're going to be okay without a fire we're okay but it was dark and I thought warmth and sustenance on this at the end of this long day so I started this fire and uh, made my little fire pit out in the middle of the sierras and, uh, and did everything right, but what i didn 't know after I put the fire out is that underneath where I put the fire because it was dark and i couldn 't see was, about, was was a bed of pine needles and so, as the night wore on, the fire actually made its way along the bed of pine needles and about two or three in the morning, I was awakened to uh, a glow in the forest that was neither the moon nor the stars, nor the rising of the sun. And together with my group, we spent time putting out a forest fire. And the question came my way, what did you expect? And my answer in my heart was, not that. Sometimes that's the way it is in our lives. This story of, uh, of, um, of, uh, in Acts chapter 3 is a story of expectations. You know, and a lot of times we need to understand this. It's the very first miracle that takes place in the book of Acts. I don't know if you realize that. It's, uh, it's one of the very first confrontations that takes place. It's one of the very first times that we find the people uh, out in the book of Acts right there in the midst of the temple. It's the beginning of a movement. And uh, it's a movement, by the way, as Max Lucato writes, that was doomed to fail. Listen to this. Here's what he writes. From the start, the movement was doomed to failure. For one thing, it began with just a few followers, remarkably few when you consider that their homeland had a population of only 4 million. Few, if any, had traveled beyond their own country. They were inexperienced and uncultured. Their government was corrupt. Their religion was shallow and oppressive. The strategy of the movement was disastrous. There was no headquarters that was ever established. No professional research was ever done. Very few paid staff occupied positions of leadership. There was no playbook to follow. On top of all this, the movement was far too extreme. It was absurd. It demanded too much, too soon. It was too impatient for traditions. It called for a reversal of social classes. It gave too much leverage to women and minority groups. The movement was doomed to failure, but it didn't fail. It succeeded. And not only did it succeed, but it far surpassed any movement in our world's history. Within 30 years, the message of Jesus Christ had entered every port, city, and courtyard of the world. It was infectious. It was a moving organism. Some say that our culture in America has entered a post-Christian era. It doesn't matter. Others scoff at the absurdity of believing in anything so absolute. Won't stop it. Materialism blankets the country. Still, the movement will continue. It might be slowed, but it will never be stopped. The commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, can't be stilled. And guess what? God has allowed every follower of Jesus to participate in such a cause. But this is not a movement of a man. It is a movement of God. And that's precisely why what should have failed never will. Acts chapter three. It's the story of a day when expectations are turned on their ears. Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And as they're going up, it's the very hour of prayer. And on this particular day, people are coming into the temple to do what we do as we come to houses of worship, to praise God, but to also to ask him for our needs, for the things that are deepest in our hearts. And on this particular day, Peter and John are on their way. And another group of friends makes their way to the temple and they are doing what they have done every day. It's three in the afternoon. Now a man was there. He was crippled from birth. And he was carried to the temple gate. And he was laid there at the gate called Beautiful. And he was laid there for one purpose, to beg. As he was laid there every day. He's laid at this gate called Beautiful, but his life is anything but. And one of the things that you might not realize uh, from the text and from the history of the text is this. He's laid there as his friends go in. According to Old Testament law, no crippled or infirm or unpure thing was ever allowed inside the temple. So here is a man, a child of Israel, who his whole life, from birth all the way into adulthood, comes to the edge of God's house, but is never what? Allowed inside. And his friends in great mercy leave him there. And day after day, everybody comes through the beautiful gate to do the beautiful thing, to enter the beautiful house of God, except for him. And every day as people enter the gate, the expectation is, is the man will be there begging. And every day his expectation is, I will be there begging, begging, please, please. Every day at the outside, every day an outcast, every day never allowed in. And that's the expectation of him, and that's the expectation of the community. But on this particular day, something's about to change. Because two new visitors are about to make their way through the beautiful gate. And as Peter and John arrive, the text tells us that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter does this. Peter looks straight at him, as does John. And then Peter says, look at us. And the man did, expecting to get something. Another little item that is going on here. He's begging for money, but as he's doing it, he has become dehumanized and devalued. He doesn't dare to look at people as they enter. And so he sees them out of his peripheral vision and then begs, For money. Peter and John do the amazing thing. They see him. They see him. They take him in, and then the demand look at us. And he does, and maybe for the first time in days, in months, in years, at that setting, he is seen and being seen as a person. He expects to get money, but the movement from uh, from Peter is this. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he begins to lift up. And they grab him, making themselves potentially ceremonially unclean and lift him to his feet. And the miracle is beyond this. We're told that not only are his legs restored, but he is leaping on his feet, and he is what? Walking with them into the temple. I don't know if you gain this, but not only is he physically restored, but he has learned a skill immediately that he has never known in all of his life. And that is how to what? How to walk. How to balance on his feet. This is something that he has never known. It's something that he's never had. And so not only is the miracle that he has physically restored but there's a miracle of giftedness and of ability that is given to him at that very moment so he moves into the temple leaping and grabbing onto them for dear life At that moment in time, as he enters the temple, people recognize him as the beggar. Isn't this the one that used to beg here at the city gates? And they all come running, and there's the crowd. The man is hanging on to Peter and John, not because he has to, but probably for security. Remember, his whole life, he was not allowed where? Into the temple. You don't belong here. And his only invitation into the temple is coming from Peter and John. And so finally, the miracle takes place for the first time in his life. This man enters the temple and he's among the people of God taking his place. <laughs> Peter asked this question. It's the key verse. Why do you wonder at this? He asked the crowd. And why do you stare at us as if by our own power and piety we had made this man walk? You know, sometimes... We think that it's a result of us. We think that it's up to us whether great things can happen in somebody else's life. Have you ever made that mistake? You know, for me, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, stick a fork in me, I'm done. And I love this verse because he asks the questions. Why does it surprise you? Why do you think that it's by our own power and godliness? Why do you think by it's our own piety, by our own righteousness that this man can walk? And sometimes we think that the ability of God to make a difference in somebody else's life is somehow dependent on how good we are. And I look at myself and think, man, I look at myself in the mirror too long, stick a fork in me, I'm done. And every day there are thoughts that move through my mind that are less than pious. Can you relate? Every day, you know, there's language that, you know, comes up on my tongue, you know, that comes up in my mind that is less than godly. Can you relate? And there are thoughts that way that are constantly there. And I think to myself, I'm unworthy. I don't have the ability. I don't have the godliness. Why in the world am I even up here? But then it's as if the small voice of God says, since when did you ever think it was up to you? One of the things that I know is that God is always there not only cheering for us, not only willing to intervene in our behalf, but he's willing to intervene on the behalf of others and on the behalf of people that we come into contact with. And I think so many times divine appointments are missed. The ability to make a difference in somebody else's uh, life is missed because we think that it's dependent on what? How good we are. And how righteous we are. And my Bible tells me that God is actually opposed to the proud but he makes his home with who? The humble and the contrite heart. And so one of the things that I would say is this, when we recognize that it's not our own godliness, but his power, at that moment in time, God now has the ability to use you to make a difference in the lives of others in the community around you. Here's a key thought. The expectation of bar of our faith, I think, is sometimes far too low. We stare over and over again. We state over and over again that the Lord is absolutely sovereign, that he is king, that he is in charge, right? And not only can, but does seek to work in our lives in a personal and powerful way. And so a key question, rather than expecting God's sovereign movement, let me ask this. Why does it surprise us when he does move? Why does it surprise us when he does move? See, day after day, that man was outside the temple and his expectation is that nothing was going to happen out of the ordinary. Day after day, people were coming to the temple at three in the afternoon to pray and and their expectation, even though they were praying to the sovereign king, right, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, even though they were coming to pray to their creator, to the God of Israel, the expectation is that nothing was going to happen. Enter Peter and John. The expectation that day as they came toward the temple is who knows what could happen. And speaking of piety, I want you to see this. The very first miracle that takes place in the book of Acts is done by who? Peter the betrayer. Peter the, I'll never forsake you. Peter the, I'll deny you three times. The very first miracle that takes place, God sovereignly dictates, will be done by the one who denied him. Peter gives this summary in Acts 3.16. He asks this question and he just basically gives his gives this summary. It's faith in his name, not my piety, not our ability, but it's by faith in the name of Jesus, by faith in his name, that this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you all can see. See, in the end, and here's the key, it's not a matter of what we have, but of who we have that really matters. So many times in our lives, we think about the what, the what of who I am, the what of what I've done, right? The what of where I've been, the what of what I've known the what of my strengths, the what of my weaknesses. And God basically says, throw that out. And now the question is, who? Well, I know who I have believed, and I know who is able, and I know who, is, who has the power to do all things, and I know who knows beyond my wildest imaginings what is needed in this time and place. And all of a sudden, in that moment, it's no longer about us. And all of a sudden, in that moment, it's not limited to us. And all of a sudden, in that moment, everything becomes possible. And the reason is is because the God of creation has just entered in and said, you and me, in partnership for my purposes and my glory. And the rest of the world can ask the question, what did you expect? And our answer is, we always expect that God is with us. And therefore, all things are possible. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you for this time and for this hour, for the ability that we have had to share and to grow and to uh, glean from your word. And Lord, all of us understand that there's not one of us that is righteous, not one of us that fully measures us up, not one of us that is pious enough or godly enough or anything enough to make the eternal significant changes that not only need to happen in our lives, but need to happen in the lives around us. But Lord, you are. And more than that, as we enter this season of thanksgiving, you are merciful and strong and mighty to save and always willing to use us, no matter our weakness. Because in our weaknesses, your strength can be perfected. And so God bless us as we move through this season and give us a sense of anticipation in each day that anything's possible because you fill the earth and go before us. We love you and thank you for this time. Amen.